Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the life and perhaps even right now in your life that you feel sometimes that you're living in the shadows rather than living in the fullness of who God created you to be. And so today we're going to start a new series and it's called, of course, In the Shadows and it's about waiting patiently on the Lord. About waiting patiently on the Lord. For our series text, if you'll turn with me to Psalms chapter 37 and for our primary text today, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and Psalms 37, 4 through 7. Let me read that to you, our series text today found in Psalms 37, chapter 4, says, or verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Think about it. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how you feel. He knows what resides inside of you that no one else knows. He knows what you have yet to tell someone else, the desires of your heart. It goes on to say in verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him, and do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way think that this is a wonderful series text for us as we talk over the next few weeks about living life in the shadows. The fact is, he says here in the latter part of the, the, the verses that I read to you in chapter se- or verse 7, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. It's easy for us when we're living in the shadows and we're living in the place that we're not satisfied with, we're living in the place that we believe we're just outside of where we really want to be, that it's easy for us to look at everybody else and everything else that's happening around us, and say, God, it's not fair for what you're doing for them and not doing for me. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, waiting patiently on the Lord. Now, something that has happened in our own family that uh, has kind of been a running joke for us is that um, since Blake has moved down here and been around us here more that oftentimes we joke about him being second string Billy. He he says it's not a joke. He feels second string anytime. If he says something, and he may say the very, this is true, it actually is true. If he says something and it's good and I turn around and say the same thing but restate it in a different way, everybody will brag on me for what I said and ignore him for what he said even though it's really the same thing. Second string. We joke about it. Now that some other people have come into the picture, he's really not even second string anymore. He's moved down to like third, fourth, fifth string. I don't know where he's at. <laughs> he, is, he is on the shifting baseline of life, and he is moving further and further away from where he wants to be. Now, at beginning, I had no concept of this. I had no understanding of this. I was the firstborn grandson, uh, grandchild, period. And so when I stepped out, I was immediately 
you know, golden child. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. If you're the firstborn and you are the first grandchild especially, you understand that, that you can do no wrong and you can say nothing wrong. You are just perfect. God's creation for humanity. So, so I never understood how he felt until this weekend when Britt Brooks shows up. And he comes and he says some of the same things I've been saying, but when he says it, it's like, oh my goodness, did you hear how good that was? <laughs> Woo! The Holy Spirit is on that man. He's anointed. When he lays his hands on me, I feel it. I was second string Britt Brooks this weekend. And so, Blake, I'm sorry, publicly. From the pulpit, I want to say, I want you not to feel that way. But here's the facts. Second string does not mean second rate. Second string does not mean second rate. You know, when you, uh, some of the greatest football players, all the greatest football players, I'll say that, all. The greatest football players, the greatest basketball players, the greatest soccer players, hockey players, doesn't matter what it is. All of them at one point or the other were second string players. They had to start on the bench. They started not playing first string. They started playing behind someone. And let me tell you something, in the kingdom it's no different. Oftentimes we, we, we get frustrated because of where we are, but we have to understand that God's process of time starts us off in the place of the shadows and then will move us into the light when the time comes. And what we have to learn to do is wait patiently on the Lord because my time is coming. Second string doesn't mean second rate. You're just as valuable as the person next to you. It may just not be your time yet, but your time's coming. Every single person in this room is just as valuable as the other. Let me say it again. Every single person in this room is just as valuable as the person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you, the person standing in front of you. You're just as valuable as anybody else in the room. How do I know that? Because I know that Jesus Christ died once for all. And so the same value that was placed on me was placed on you. And so there is no such thing as second rate in the kingdom of God. There may be some second stringers out there. You may be sitting in the shadows, but wait on your Lord because your time will come and you will step into the light and be what God's created you to be. Somebody say amen this morning. Just like I know what it's like to play second string to someone else, many of you do here too, but I have good news for you. And that is that there are a lot of people in Scripture who played second string roles to other people, but God still used them. And many of them developed later to become starters in amazing situations. The key to all of it is learning to wait patiently on the Lord's time and learning to serve faithfully in the waiting. The key to it all is learning to wait patiently on the Lord's time and learning to serve faithfully in the waiting. When I think about this concept, and I think about uh, what we're trying to convey here to you today, and, and how we're trying to help you, I don't know of a better example of this than, the, than, than King David. David understood waiting patiently, and he understood serving faithfully. So I want you to help me this morning as I preach to you 
second string son. Will you help me pray? Father, thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Lord, that you have the ability through your vessels to break down walls, to challenge hearts, and to move us into a place, Lord, where we can trust in you even more. I ask today, Lord, that if there be people within the sound of my voice that are struggling with life in the shadows and they're struggling, not feeling as though they've stepped into the place of their significant, their, their significance, the place that you've created them for, that, Father, if they can just wait patiently, serve faithfully, that their day will come. And, God, they'll stand in the light one of these days and they'll shine like a beacon in this darkened world. God, it is our hope. It is our, is our desperate need that you come and you be with us today, Lord, and that you open up our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. David, wonderful example of a man who understood what it meant to wait in the shadows. As we look to our text here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, we need to understand that first of all, previous to the text, Saul, who is the current king of Israel, has had multiple failures as king. He's messed up over and over and over again. They are failures of the heart and they are not failures of the head. Brent talked about that this last week, that you can forgive a heart problem, but you can't forgive someone who is mean-spirited, who is trying to do something, or vice versa. I said that backwards. You can forgive somebody that makes a mistake just because they don't know better. But when somebody does something against you with the heart, it's intentional. It's meant to harm. He had had several failures of his head, he had failed to make the right decisions. And his heart also was not where God wanted him to be. So God rips the kingdom from him. Samuel, the prophet of God who has faithfully served the king, is upset by the king's continued failures and, and what it is now costing him. And the Lord says, I'm going to rip the kingdom from him. So we pick up our text here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. The first thing we see in the text is God speaks to Samuel and says, How long are you going to mourn over Saul? How long are you going to be consumed by the loss that you're experiencing? How long are you going to be frustrated, disappointed, discouraged by what you don't have and neglect to find what I'm providing for you? How long are you going to mourn over Saul? Let me tell you something, church. There is a difference between waiting patiently on the Lord and getting stuck in life. There is a vast difference between waiting patiently on the Lord. Some of you have been waiting patiently for the Lord for many years. And what I would say to you is you're not waiting patiently on the Lord. You're just stuck and it's time to move. It's easy to get stuck. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. This speaks to be of mourning coming to an end. That it's not a season that lasts forever, but it is a season that, it's just that, it's a season. It begins and it ends, it comes to a close. And if we're still stuck in the morning, and if we're still stuck in what has been lost, 
And if we're still stuck in what could have been, what might have been, what should have been, what I wished had happened, what I wished hadn't happened, then we're stuck in the morning and it's time to move on. Listen, church, there is a season to be disappointed. There is a season to be disappointed over loss. There is a season to be disappointed over being overlooked. There is a season to be disappointed over missing opportunities. But it is a season. And all seasons have to come to an end. It's not wrong for you to feel disappointment. It's not wrong for you to be discouraged by something that happens to you. It's normal. It's natural. It's what's expected. But it is wrong for us to live there, to stay there, and to walk the rest of our days stuck in some place that God never intended for us to be stuck in. Yes, mourn. Yes, be disappointed, but get over it and move on. He says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to stay in this place? How long are you going to be stuck in your circumstance? How long are you going to be disappointed over what could have happened? Instead, get up and move on. And I'm just saying to you this morning that if the season doesn't end, you have gotten stuck. And some of you here today, you have been in a season of mourning. You have been in a season of disappointment. And it's time to move on. Season is okay. The season is okay. Pain is proof you're alive. It's okay to feel that. But don't get stuck. You've got to mourn and move on. If you fail to move on, here's what happens. You make what you're mourning into an idol. If you fail to move on, you make what you're mourning into an idol. The fact is many of us uh, are repulsed by what we mourn and to make it an idol is the very opposite of any desire that we would have. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about when we suffer loss or disappointment and can't move on. Our thoughts, our emotions, our energies get tied up in the very thing we're mourning over. When my thoughts and emotions and energy are consumed by something, it becomes an idol for me. I'm going to let it simmer. Let it soak in. Sometimes you just have to soak it, you know what I'm saying? I just think we have to soak it this morning. Because the fact is, my my greatest disappointments in my life, the last thing I want to do is honor them by making them an idol in my life. The last thing I want to do is give them that place. To give them more stock than they deserve. Learn my lesson. Yes, be disappointed. Yes, but move on past it and not let it define me from here on who I am. I refuse to let those things become an idol. So let me ask you, what are you mourning over today? Where might you possibly be stuck? God can't bring you out of the shadows if you're stuck. He can't move you to the first string if you refuse to get off the bench. He can't move you to first string if you won't get off the bench. The second string players that become first string players are the ones that stay in the coach's ear asking for an opportunity to prove themselves. 
Let me tell you something. I remember in seventh grade I wanted to play, and I should have been playing. I knew it on the football team. And so I got up by the cup. My dad said, if you want to play, you better get in the coach's ear and let him know that you want to play. If you stand on the sidelines, because I was timid, and I didn't want to bother the coach, he said, if you want to stand back there, you're never going to get to play. And so I started getting up in the coach's ear. Hey, coach, can I get in there and play? I can make that tackle. Go, Coach, let me in there. And you know what? He got so annoyed with me that he finally let me play. We need to get in the coach's ear this morning. I've been on the sidelines, coach, and I'm ready to get in the game. I'm ready for my life to change. I'm ready for you to come alongside me and have some confidence that I can deliver for you this morning. Get in his ear. The Lord goes on to say here to Samuel, I've got to hurry this morning or I can preach long like Britt does and maybe... I told him, I said, I have never in my life seen somebody that preaches for an hour and a half. If you can't say it in 30 minutes, you just can't say it. <laughs> what does the Lord go on to say to Samuel? He says, fill your horn with oil and go. How long will you mourn over Saul? Fill your horn with oil and go. Oh my goodness, the horn is a vessel for carrying the oil. You are a vessel. The oil always represents the Holy Spirit. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit this morning. What's he saying to us? How does it apply to us? We get filled with the power of God in our lives. We quit mourning over the things that have gone by. We fill ourselves up and we get on the move for God. The best way to get over disappointment is to get anointed. The best way to get over discouragement is to get in the presence of God and let Him fill you up again with what matters. Make room by getting rid of that stuff that's holding you back and letting God refill you with His power. Quit standing on the sidelines, mourning the deal you have, and fill your horn with oil and move on. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Move on this morning. Hallelujah. God goes on to say to Samuel, For I have provided myself a king among his sons. God says, I love this. God says, I have provided myself a solution. I have provided myself a king among his sons. Many of us need to take a cue from God and instead of mourning, get anointed and start seeking a way to provide a solution to the situation we face. Nobody likes that. I'm going to say it again. Many of us need to take a cue from God. Instead of mourning over loss and disappointment, get anointed, get in the presence of Jesus, and start seeking Him for a way to provide a solution to the situation we face. God provided himself a king. It didn't throw his kingdom off balance because Saul didn't know how to act. He said, that's no problem for me. I've provided myself a king. I've already made somebody. I've already equipped the situation. And I'm not going to leave it like it is. We're going to move on. We're going to make it better. And we're going to be what we're called to be regardless of what somebody else does. We're stuck so many times because of what somebody else has done. Who cares? Get over it and move on. There's always going to be some nut in your life that's causing a problem, some dingbat, some idiot. Can I say idiot from the pulpit? There's always those people. 
And I can live in bondage to them or I can choose to move on and be what God's destined me to be. I've got to move on. I've got to move on. (laughs) Verses 2 through 5. God sends Samuel to go and sacrifice and Jesse and his sons are invited to that sacrifice. And so we pick it up here in verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the physical nature of him because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Wow, that's something we ought to underline in our Bible. What you're seeing, the Lord's not seeing. He's seeing something more than that. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. Notice who's making him pass by. It's Jesse. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Number two is this. Don't let the world system for promotion decide your future. Don't let the world system for promotion decide your future. The world promotes through popularity and power, but God promotes through pain and perplexity. The world promotes through (laughs) popularity and power, but God promotes through pain and perplexity. If you can learn this lesson right here, it will help you so much. Perplexity is this process of wrestling and waiting on God. Wrestling with the Lord and waiting on the Lord. When God gets ready to move you into position, no one can stop that process. He opens doors no man can shut. He shuts doors no man can open. When God gets ready to move you, and you're ready to move, the only person that can stop that process is you. No other person can stop that process. God can move you when He chooses to move you. Look at verse 8. Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass by. Jesse called Shammah and made him pass by. Verse 10. Now Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Who made them pass by? Jesse. Now let's think about this for a moment. David is not even called to the meeting. Jesse has eight sons. Samuel says, call your sons. We're going to sanctify them. We're going to consecrate them. We're having a feast and a sacrifice, and I want you to be there. You are the highly esteemed guest. You are the guest of honor. And Jesse gets his sons ready, all seven and leaves David out in the field. He leaves David on the sidelines. He leaves David in the shadows. He leaves David in a place of obscurity. He leaves David where no one can see him. He leaves David where he doesn't matter. He treats him as a second string son. But if you notice in the text, what happens is Jesse made Abinadab pass by. He made Shammah pass by and seven of his sons he made to pass by Samuel. Here's what I want you to see this morning is this. 
the one who disregards you may be inadvertently helping you. The one who passed passes by you, the one who ignores you, the one who disregards you may be inadvertently helping you in the process. Jesse didn't know it, but at the whole time he was putting David in a position to step into the kingship. This one come along, he's my first choice. Oh, we're going to pass him by. Abinadab comes by, he's my second choice. Oh, we're going to pass him by. Shama, third choice, pass him by. Next son, next son, next son, next son, until there's no sons left. And then we stop and we understand that what's just happened is I was in eighth place, but suddenly I've been moved to the forefront. Somebody ought to get happy right here because I'm telling you this is good. When when you've been stuck in the shadows for a long time and you've got a lot of things in front of you and it doesn't feel like you're ever going to have your chance, you may just be the people that are trying to keep you down, may be working on your behalf. They may be working to your benefit. They may be moving some obstacles out of the way so you can step to the forefront. Your time to shine is coming. Your time to shine is approaching Jesse didn't know that the whole time he was putting David in position to step into the kingship. As Jesse discredits David as a qualified candidate, he moves the obstacles out of his way one by one, bringing him to the forefront. Let me say to you this morning that regardless of what the world may think, they are not the ones calling the shots today. God is. And when He gets ready to move you in your situation, when He gets ready to move you out of obscurity, nothing will stand in the way. When He gets ready to open a door for you, no one or nothing can shut it. When He gets ready to crown you as king, He'll have seven people move out of the front of you to put you in the spot He created just for you. Verse 10 says, Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. (laughs) These aren't the guys. I know they look like the guys. I know you thought they were the guys. But these ain't the guys. There's somebody else. Where's the other one? Do you have any other sons? Do you have anybody else out there? We don't let the world system for promotion set us back. God has a plan and purpose for us and it is based on His timing. Wait patiently. Labor faithfully. And wish prayerfully and your time will come. David wasn't just sitting out in the field not doing anything. All the time he's living in the shadows, God is cultivating him. God is developing him. God is building him. God is making him into the man that he's supposed to be. And even though he thought he was in eighth place, that he was eighth string, and that he didn't have a chance to step into the role that God had for him, little did he know that God would quickly move people out of the way to move him to the place that God created just for him. When it's your time, no one can stop you. And here's what you need to know today. What the world sees as second string son, God sees as the next king to come. I said what God, what the world sees as a second string son, God sees as the next king to come. 1 Samuel 16, 11. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not even sit down till he comes here. Verse 11, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Point number three is this. 
God reveals in the light, but builds in the shadows. God reveals in the light, but builds in the shadows. David is keeping sheep. He is living in the shadows of his older brothers. But it is in the shadows that you become the person God desires you to be. I said it's in the shadows that you become the person God has created you to be. It's in the dark places that God builds you into the person that he desires for you to become. And the longer we live in the shadows, the bigger God is making us. The longer you live in that place, the bigger God is making you. It's in the shadows that there is, there is things that we have no idea about. In the shadows, there is places and there's people being built that we have no concept of. Some of the greatest people yet to come are living in the shadows today. Because let me tell you something. In the shadows, there's a giant killer. In the shadows, there's the world's greatest worshiper. In the shadows, there is a man who could take a rabble of outcast men and make them into the world's mightiest warriors. In the shadows, there's a king. David was a king. But he was living in obscurity. He was living in the shadows. He was living in that borderless place between light and darkness. Samuel says to Jesse, send and bring him here. For we're not even going to sit down until he comes here. I say to you today, because you are in the shadows, you are being built for a greater purpose than you can even imagine. And if you will wait patiently, if you will labor faithfully, and if you will wish prayerfully, it won't be long before God moves you from being built to being revealed. Your great reveal is approaching. Don't you love it on the shows when they do the big reveals? Person's been off in no no man's land, losing weight for the last three months. Friends and family haven't seen them. And then they set up this big party. Person comes walking in for their reveal moment and they're not even the same person they were before they left. God does the same thing to his people. He puts you in obscurity. He puts you out there in the shadows sometimes. But in that process of time, it's discouraging. It's difficult. It's tough sometimes. But God is building you into the person that you're created to be. And when you step back into the forefront, and when your great reveal comes, people will look at you and say, that's not even the same person I used to know. God has done a work in their life. He's changed them. He's made them better. He says, send and bring them here. We're not going to sit down until he comes here in the shadows. Listen, we are unaware of where we stand in God's timeline. David is in the field and he is tending sheep. And I tell you that he has no idea that back at the house, there's a whole group of people standing and waiting for him. They know before he knows that he's going to be king. They're standing. Samuel says that we're not going to sit down. We're not going to. We're, we're going to reverence this man by standing until he gets here. You have discredited him. You have disregarded him. You have treated him as though he is of no consequence. And here's what I'm going to teach you right now. We're going to stand and we're going to honor him before he even gets here. We're going to stand in this place reverencing the King to come, and we're going to wait for that young man to walk in these doors. 
David had no idea what timeline that he was on. He had no place in time where he was. But soon, when he's labored faithfully in that place, God will bring you to the forefront. And when he starts to move, he starts to move quickly. And before you know it, you're standing in front of your brothers. You're standing in front of a nation. And you're standing before the prophet of God as the new king that has come. God's timeline. You don't know where you are in God's timeline. But oh, Pastor, I just can't imagine my situation changing overnight. You don't know my God then. Because I'm telling you, He can change your situation overnight. He don't even need a whole night to do it. He can change it in an instant. He can change it in a moment. He's got things working. He's been building in the shadows when you didn't know it. And there's things that are about to come to light that you never dreamed possible. It's available for all of those who are willing to wait patiently, who labor faithfully. Let me qualify that. If you don't labor faithfully, you're disqualifying yourself. David was faithful in tending the sheep. That's what he was entrusted with. That's what God had given him charge over and he was faithful to do it. He didn't do it half-heartedly. He did it to the utmost. And you can wait patiently on the Lord and not labor faithfully and you will never move beyond the place you are. I'll say it again. You can wait patiently on the Lord. You can wish prayerfully that things will change in your situation. But if you do not labor faithfully, you have what you have. We say this to our kids, you get what you get and don't throw a fit. And I'm just saying in the kingdom, if you can't be faithful with what you have, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit about it. You want to promote, you want to move, you want to have more faithfulness. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't either. I didn't write it. He did. And he ain't changing it for anybody. If you can't be faithful with what you've got, you won't get more. And that's just the way it is. That's the way it is, baby. Amen. Let me close with this. 1 Samuel 16, 12. So he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one. No greater words than God could speak over you than for him to say, Hey, you're the one. You're the one for me. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Rama. I didn't put this in my notes, but this just came to me, and so I'm going to share it with you right now. You notice that he took the horn of oil that he himself filled, and he anointed David with it. If Saul, Samuel had stayed in his mourning, stayed in his place, stuck, he would have never filled the horn of oil, he would have never moved on and he would have never been able to impact and consecrate and dedicate the next to come. It's not about you. It's not about you. Samuel could have said, I have a right to be disappointed. I invested myself in Saul. Yes, you have a right to be disappointed, but you don't have the right to stay disappointed. You don't have the right to stay mourning over the loss. You have the responsibility to fill yourself up 
as a servant of God, as a vessel of God, and to pour yourself out into somebody else's life. He took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Rome. There will come a day when God pulls you out of the shadows into the light. On that day, he will anoint you and declare you as one of his for his purpose, for the purpose that he created you for. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. If you have lost something and it has sent you into the shadows, I'm just begging you today to mourn and move on. If you are living in the shadows, don't let the world system for promotion set you back and keep you there. If you're living in the shadows, know that the shadows are God's workshop and He is building you up for your great reveal. Your time is coming. I ask Jennifer to come to the piano this morning. If you stand with me all across this place today, Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know right this moment where you would go if you were to die and you would wonder whether or not you would make heaven or if you would make hell, listen, you can know right now beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can be Lord of your life and He can ensure that you are written in the Lamb's book of life ready to make heaven. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you're not sure where you stand with God, would you just quickly move out of your chair and come this way? Let God touch your life this morning. Come and find a place to pray in this altar. Come and kneel and somebody's going to come and meet you here. If that's you, would you come? Come on. Don't hold back. Don't stand waiting. Know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life today and that you are heaven-bound. If that's you, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? If you're here this morning and you feel like you have been living life in the shadows and you need God to help you wait patiently, then would you come? If you need God to help you labor faithfully, would you come? Let God move you. Move you, build you, equip you, prepare you for your due season that's approaching. Would you come? We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.